Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. A reading from Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
a reading from Romans. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandments are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to Saint Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This morning, beloved, I beg your patience that I may take a brief liberty to turn a critical eye on the culture of modern American religion. Now, if you look at the landscape of Christianity today, you will find something that would be rather odd and in some cases unidentifiable to someone who was a Christian in the first millennium of the reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. The odd thing to this first millennium Christian would be the notion of the individual. Today's religious climate, everything it seems revolves around the individual. The notion of salvation itself has become something that requires nothing more than an individual relating to God. The entire scope of salvation circles around only the individual and Jesus. The necessity of the church, the community of believers, is, in our own day, thought of at best as secondary, and more commonly as something that's not essential, not important. The idea of church itself has changed as well. Where once it was seen as the kingdom of God on earth, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, the presence of God Almighty, the most important and central thing in life, a thing that gives life itself, the intersection of heaven and earth where they join and meet and intertwine, a thing that possesses the highest authority and utmost respect. It is now nothing more than one option among many in our lives. And many congregations and church bodies have responded to this idea of the individual alone above all else. And church attendance is one option among many. Many churches are now run and operated as consumer products, catering to this individual. Church marketing is now a multi-billion, multi-billion dollar industry that pays very close attention to trends and to turns in consumer America. These churches have taken up an amenity-based principle for operation. That is to say they work extremely hard at providing amenities, goods and services for the individual. The latest and greatest in cutting-edge worship and technology. The newest and hippest in sights and sounds. The biggest bang for your buck. The whole environment of these places is not much different than an entertainment venue or an amusement park. Some have even gone so far as to provide retail outlets with unique branding within their campuses. Coffee shops, gyms and spas, auto mechanics, clothing stores. Great efforts are made to ensure the most positive emotional experience for this individual consumer of Christianity. No longer is a church treated as the seat of God's authority or the kingdom on earth, but as one competitor among many in capitalism, as companies competing for the dollar and loyalty of individual Christians. 
Gone are the days of dogma, doctrine, and discipline. These are now private, individual beliefs. Rather, these are the days of the emotional experience and the good and positive vibe of being affirmed, of being entertained. Now, I turn a critical eye on American religion, not so much to church bash, for we ourselves are guilty, but to propose the idea that to many people today's gospel lesson from St. Matthew is a completely foreign and unintelligible thing. For we read this morning, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, the founding principle and teaching for what is known as excommunication. Now when we hear the word excommunication, our mind, I'm sure, wanders to the big screen, to movies, where priests are brought into the church, have their habits and vestments ripped off of them, their heads shaved, and they're thrown into the hinterland, presumably to their perdition. Or you might remember back to your history lessons in school, where St. John of Arc was excommunicated and burned at the stake unjustly, and really and truly as a criminal act against an innocent and heroic woman. Or perhaps you've been watching the History Channel lately, and your mind ventures to the medieval inquisitions, where political figures were condemned unto death at the hands of totalitarian tyrants who sought the ruin of other governments. Now, we turn a critical eye to these things, and it's no wonder that a suspicion of authority arose in regards to the church. But at its heart, and when used correctly and obediently, we see in the gospel this morning a great act of love and of mercy and of kindness, an act that is generous and has at its aim repentance and forgiveness and wholeness, salvation. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now here, Jesus instructs us, the Christian church, in the ways of community, how we deal with one another, in the authority of the church, in the way we interact. Now, in the Roman culture of biblical times and in most other cultures throughout recorded history, our own modern one included, if a person sins against you, the first thing you do is sue them, right? Or you retaliate in some way against them, but within the life of the church, we are not to do that. We are not to confront them, I mean we are to, excuse me, we are to confront them alone and try to overcome and forgive the sin, not sue them. Now, the sin could be anything from business dealings to adultery to lying to theft. And the aim of this private confrontation is to help the sinner clean the distortion and save his soul. If this private confrontation does not work, we're not through. There's a next step. One or two, a small group is brought in to bring perspective and to try to correct the sin and error and save the soul of he who is sin-filled and now stubborn. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, if that doesn't work, there's a final step. If the small group intervention fails, you bring the problem before the whole church. 
Matthew 18, 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. Now imagine for a second. It's hard, very hard. It's very hard for me to even imagine this. One parishioner sins against another parishioner. Attempts at repentance fail. The result, they come into the gathered congregation in an attempt for repentance. It's hard to fathom that scene. There are, however, Christian communities who do this to this day, who bring unrepentant sinners before the whole church and have the whole church try and reason, love the sinful person. Now, to the modern American mind, this seems crude, invasive, barbarous, archaic. It is not something we could probably ever see ourselves engaging in. The modern American will probably more likely say, well, I'll just find a church home that affirms me, that has meaningful, exciting worship, that does not pry into my private and personal life. I'll find a church that would never dream of doing something like that. But we learn, brothers and sisters, we learn why the church would bother to pry into our personal lives at the end of the gospel, 1818. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The church pries into our private lives because the church contains within it salvation contains the authority, the presence of Jesus Christ. The church desires, longs that humans live and not die in their sin. So then if a person falls into sin, that is to say endangers their soul, the church is supposed to take extraordinary measures to try and save that person. They are to spend great amounts of time and energy exhaustive amounts of time and energy and acts of love and mercy to not pry into the lives of her members in this sense is seen as cruel and heartless and barbarous so whereas the secular culture cares very little for the spiritual health of the individual refuses to pry the Christian church goes well out of its way expends every possible effort to show the sinful to the kingdom and to life. Now we Anglicans still possess this notion of excommunication. We handle it in much the same manner as our brothers and sisters in the Eastern Orthodox Church. If a person is guilty of grievous and notorious sin and is unrepentant, the priest has the authority to not allow them to communion until they repent and make reparation. But if you read and study very closely the canons or laws that guard and guide this act of excommunication, it is a last resort, the last resort. It is an extreme measure. That is to say that the priest and really and truly the entire congregation is supposed to exhaust every single possibility, every possible possibility in bringing someone to repentance. 
we are called to great and exhaustive links and extreme measures to save one another, to work towards the salvation of each other. Now bearing that in mind, the idea of excommunication is not so much as to cast someone to their perdition, but to wake them up. It's a last-ditch effort to wake them up. The church has always considered participation in the Holy Eucharist essential for salvation. Going back to the idea of the church itself being essential for salvation. So to remove someone from participation in the Eucharist has it as intention, the idea of forcing, waking up the unrepentant person to examine their soul and hopefully, hopefully repent. Knowing that being away from the Eucharist is being away from life itself and hoping that person realizes that. This process is prayerful, exhaustive, involves the entire church, has many, many measures before it, all working for the salvation of the person who refuses to repent. So, my brothers and sisters, now that we all know more about excommunication than we ever wanted to know, let's take to heart today's gospel lesson. Do not think of the church as a place that caters to our wishes and wants, as a place that provides us with goods and services, amenities, not as a place that is one option among many we may choose from, but as the place that contains life, the place that longs and desires and seeks the best for us, the community that will take every effort, heroic and exhaustive efforts to save our souls, the place that is none other than the kingdom of God on earth, the place where our salvation lies. And let us remember our duty as churchmen and churchwomen. We are called to work towards the salvation of each other, to help each other gain our salvation, to help each other live lives that are grace and spirit-filled. We are called to be actively and lovingly involved in the lives of each other, always seeking that which is best, always helping to correct those things that are amiss in each other. So let us pray today that we do not treat the church as a consumer product, but as a place where God dwells. Let us pray that we seek the help we need to have eternal life here. Let us pray we remember this place is a place that gives life, and let us work to the end of giving life and salvation to others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Standing, let us affirm our faith in God and in His Holy Church. We believe in one God, the Father of Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten.
Kneeling, let us pray. With all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above, for the loving kindness of God, and for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the world, for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, and for the unity of all peoples, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Duncan, our bishop, Jeffrey, our priest, and for all the clergy and people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Barack, our president, Haley, our governor, and Melvin, our mayor, for all the leaders of the nations and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the county of Jones, the city of Laurel, for every city and community and for those who live in them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for an abundance of the fruits of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the good earth which God has given us and for the wisdom and will to conserve it, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who travel on land, on water, or in the air, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, and for the sick and suffering, especially Alfredo Adam, Dewey Blackledge, Beth Boykin, Dowdle Brown, Jean Bullock, Tim Busby, Cesar Centeno, Luca Seraldo, Sylvia Ellis, Bonnie Garner, Leonard Hoover, Leroy Jensen, Alex Karras, John LeRae, Mary Lou Lott, Clementa Lovinell, Mitch Malden, Nancy McKee, Susan McMullen, Randy Metters, Jean Miller, Austin Morgan, Sherry Parrish, Jenny Lou Kwong, Ashley Rogers, Michael Rubenstein, Amber Russell, Casey Smith, Wendy Sneed, Henry Temple, Joan Todd, Hollis Walgamot, Kitty Wagasback, Shirley Waldrop, and Lynn Welliver. For all who suffer from chronic illnesses and for those we now name, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those celebrating birthdays, especially Avery Fontaine, Andy Barwick, Katie Palmer, and Luke Peavy, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those with child, especially Allison Albritton, Haley Barlow, Maggie Barwick Farrell, Kristen Gard, Elizabeth Hancock, K. 
Carrie Killen, Lauren Kleeman, Jennifer Malone, Vanessa Rustin, and Dasha Thielen. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who have died in the hope of the resurrection, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For deliverance from all danger, violence, oppression, and degradation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the men and women of our armed forces at home and abroad, especially John Asbell, Louisa Balthazar, Chase Bradshaw, John Brewer, Michael Buthler, Melissa Kleckler, Scott Howell, Eric Jarmillo, Walton Lucky, Bailey Lutz, Calvin Powell, R.P. Powell, Harold Russell, Michael Thomas, Joe Vinson, Carrie Walker, James Warner, Mark Waters, Wyatt Welch, and Joshua Yarbrough, and for those men and women who bravely fought and gallantly died for their country, Lord have mercy. For the acquisition of let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. That we may end our lives in faith and hope, without suffering and without reproach, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Defend us, deliver us, and in thy compassion protect us, O Lord, by thy grace. Lord have mercy. In the communion of the ever-blessed Virgin Mary, Saint John our patron, and of all the saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life to Christ our God. To thee, O Lord our God. Almighty God, who hast bestowed thy grace upon thy people by thy Son, Jesus Christ, grant us, we beseech thee, to be enriched with his manifold gifts, that patiently enduring through the darkness of this world, we may be found shining like lamps in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he cometh in his kingdom, to whom be praise and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we can... Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Please stand. The peace of the Lord be always with you, and also with you. Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to, to St. John's on this Labor Day weekend and uh, also a very uh, sketchy morning weather-wise. It's uh, great to see so many of you here uh, out, out for church. Uh, a few announcements. Uh, Back to Church Sunday is next Sunday. That's when we will begin in earnest our fall programming. We'll have the full complement of children's and adult education opportunities. Our confirmation classes will start next Sunday, as will EYC. Uh, and to celebrate that, we will have a, um, we're going to have a, a full breakfast at 8.45 between the two services. Uh, it's a time of fellowship and fun and uh, just getting, saying hey to everyone after the summer and all that and some of the people who may come back, back to church. So if you know someone who has fallen away or out of the habit of church attendance, uh, invite them back for this Sunday. That's the, the idea. Um, also, we still need people to sign up to feed our EYC on Sunday evenings. That sign-up sheet is in the hallway, and also uh, you can access it through the notes from Patmos. Uh, our Episcopal Church Women's Guild uh, is meeting on Monday, September 26th, so please add that to your calendar. Um, and then I think that's, that's all that's really pressing. Uh, although I do, in the spirit of today's sermon, uh, uh, Troy, Troy and I have been working really hard at getting together uh, and working on Sunday liturgy and getting to know one another in that way. And it's been a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, and we were, um, had decided to put something in a different place at the beginning of the service this morning uh, and agreed on it and had everything worked out. And uh, someone just ran right over the choir this morning. So to the choir, I apologize. <laughs> so we'll try, I'll try not to do that again. But anyway, uh, again, welcome everyone. Uh, ascribe to the Lord the honor to his name. Bring offerings and come into his courts.
Please stand. Today, to the greater glory of God and thanksgiving for his many, many blessings upon our lives. Giving thanks, especially this day, for the gift of labor. We offer special intentions that we may offer all our labors to the greater good of God. And we pray for those, especially this day, who are out of work or who are unable to work. And may the souls of all the faithfully departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. For you are the source of light and life, You've made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name.
love you made us for yourself and when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ your only and eternal son to share our human nature to live and die as one of us to reconcile us to you the God and Father of all he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will a perfect sacrifice for the whole world On the night he was handed over to suffering and death our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and when he had given thanks to you he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body which is given for you do this for the remembrance of me after supper he took the cup of wine and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and said drink this all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins whenever you drink it do this for the remembrance of me therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith Christ has died Christ is risen Christ will come again and we celebrate the memorial of our redemption O Father and this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving recalling his death resurrection and ascension we offer you these gifts sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your son the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity constancy and peace and at the last day bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom all this we ask through your son Jesus Christ by him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit all honor and glory is yours O Almighty Father now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ hath taught us, we are behold to say,
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you this day and remain with you always. Amen.
The Lord be with you. The Mass is ended. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.